Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin Hudson, who will be directing Henry V here at the Guildhall School between 10th and 15th of February in the Studio Theatre at Milton Court. Along with Martin, we also have final year actors Tanya Latul, who plays Catherine and the Boy, Becca Collingwood, who plays Mistress Quickly, Williams and Burgundy, Robbie Carpenter, playing France, Canterbury and Gower, and Ben Hall as Henry. A very warm welcome to you all. It's great to have you here. Um, Martin, you're a well-respected actor in your own right. Um, how has your experience as an actor informed your directing? Um, so, you know, what made you want to direct? Uh, well, I, um, I'd always been interested in directing, and, uh, but never really had the confidence to do it. And as I started uh, uh, my career as an actor, as time went on, I would occasionally find myself in the room sat in the corner uh, where we'd reach a slightly uh, difficult point in the play and occasionally I'd feel like I think I know how to solve that Uh, and I'd sit there and drum my fingers and wait for other people to reach the same conclusions that I had reached in terms of what I thought would solve it and more and more I started feeling that and and, uh, feeling that I did have some uh, that I could find some way through in terms of uh, putting something onto a stage, and interpreting a play, interpreting a text, uh, staging, having a vision for something. And I, this is all from the corner of a rehearsal room watching, uh, looking on. Um, and so I thought, eventually I thought, well, I need to have a go at this as I, as I get more and more frustrated uh, in my corner of the rehearsal room. And finally somebody made an offer uh, about six or seven years ago for me to direct sexual perversity in Chicago, uh, in Norwich, and I uh, had a go at it and discovered it's much easier from the corner of your rehearsal room looking on, uh, discovered how exhausting and full-on it is. Um, but it's great. The, the, the great thing is that I, I, I get to direct now and I also get to act, and they, I, couldn't do, I couldn't do either alone. I think... I got frustrated as, as being an actor and not having uh, a complete creative process in the way that a director has. But equally, as a director, it's, it's so full-on and exhausting to do that full-time, I think would probably kill me. And as we're in our fourth week of rehearsal for Henry, having had a couple of months of preparation for it, uh, all the production meetings, the design meetings, and then uh, all of the rehearsal with the actors, with the music, our sound effects, all of this stuff, I'm... Uh, as we're towards the end of this process, I'm uh, on some level looking forward to um, going into a room and sitting in the corner of the rehearsal room again, looking on. Do you have um, Do you have sleepless nights? A, l- a little bit, yeah. I mean, if if I weren't so tired, I probably would. Uh, it, I, an actor, you get to do your job and think about it, and in, in, you know, and I th- I think I work really hard as an actor, but you simply can't take your mind off it as a director you wake up in the morning you think about what you're doing that day you prepare stuff on the tube you go in you field the situation uh, um, uh, get the room working driving the day being in a room keeping uh, 13 people motivated at least and that's not including uh, stage management and your creative team it's just sort of exhausting and, and at lunch breaks there are things to do there are choices to make people want your opinions on things you go home planning the next day and you kind of finally at about 10 at night stick the telly on 
and our TV's broken at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm not even getting that. It's not such uh, a bad thing. It's not such a bad thing, but I just need uh, my brain's, you know, screaming at me saying, stop, just stop every so often. So you're going to be taking a break after. Henry ends, or uh, you get straight on to the next but, thing. But being uh, being the job that we are, we're not really in control of that. We take whatever comes along. But yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. And how how's he doing, guys, with sort of keeping <laughs> you motivated and all the all the rest of it? Amazing. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Thank you. It's, very, <laughs> 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 it's nice because um, we have sort of images that that were really strong that Martin worked on with Tom, who's the designer before. So we sort of can see a potential setup or where we're heading and then we sort of play around inside it and get to sort of figure out how to get there so we have a clear direction but at the same time we we're still discovering what to do but we know where we're going which is good yeah well I mean from from day one we, we had a very clear um, idea of, of, of Martin's vision of everything because I mean meticulous with your with, you know exactly, we can see your imagination as well and we, we could see where you were going. So it's, it's, it's a challenge in one respect because we have to live up to your imagination, which is like obviously uh, a difficult thing, but, it's, but it's, it's freeing in a way because we know our parameters and then it's up to us to offer and just keep offering. And then you can kind of chisel away at what we bring. So it's, it's yeah, there's it, it loads to play off. And um, I mean, Martin works so hard that it's really easy to work hard and want to do it, so we don't mind staying extra in the evenings or, or Saturdays, <laughs> or, um, because, you know, Martin's there as well, and, you know, you see him on the edge of his seat, mm. always with you in the scene and mouthing along and right yeah. there. So, Slowly going grey. <laughs> <the same time. laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's actually the whole... It's a really fun atmosphere and a really energetic atmosphere and actually makes you want to spend the time outside of the rehearsals actually annoyed with yourself because you want to, you want to do more, investigate your character more. Um, but, yeah, you really just do need to switch off and watch a bit of... You were saying that a, a typical day might see you sort of get in at 9, 9.30 and not be going home until about 7.30, 8. Um, I mean, obviously spending that much time with all of your sort of peers. I mean, even before we started recording this podcast, I could tell you're all very close. Um, and I guess that's one of the sort of... That's the strength of being an actor and having to do lots of long hours as well as the, mm. the, the, the downfalls, which is that you don't have much sort of personal time. Mm. Is, is that right? Yeah, it is, but we're, we're very... We're in a unique situation, the fact that we've been with each other now um, for two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll, be, it'll come as a as quite a shock when we leave next year and we're suddenly you know thrust into a room with actors that we don't know mm. and you that you have to act with um that you don't you don't know how, exactly how they work i think it'll be a thrill and really great for us but i think the first job will be quite scary mm. just because we know each other so well and people playing age like the right <laughs> age you could be the only young one mm. and not yeah. and yeah, that's that's right. it's been really useful for this process actually the, the, the idea of the production is to kind of mirror what Shakespeare talks about in the play this brotherhood uh, amongst uh, uh, this this army of Henry as the king all the way down to the uh, lowliest of the of the people uh, in the army and there being a sense of equality and, and equality uh, and fraternity within that group of people 
uh, that Shakespeare talks about, Henry talks about when he, when he tries to gear them into war. And part of the production whereby everybody creates... The, the production idea is that we have uh, all the furniture, all the props, everything that we're going to use in the room uh, when the audience come in, and nothing leaves or enters the space for the two hours playing of the play. And for that, everybody has to set the chairs, uh, create the spaces, do the sound effects, play the music, um, uh, help each other out. And so you would get uh, the, the person, uh, uh, Becky, playing Mistress Quickly, uh, having to do something to make a scene for the king work, and likewise the king would have to do something uh, to help the scenes where Mistress Quickly uh, um, plays. So that's been a great advantage to come into a, a group of people that already know each other. There, there, there really aren't egos in the room. It's a, I mean, Guildhall is great at this. My experience at Guildhall is, is, is of such not only talented and dedicated and hard-working actors, but actually really nice. And that's such a naff word, but it's really important that there's not... There isn't, there isn't ego, there isn't bullying, and there never seems to be any kind of scapegoat. There's never... A, a, dreadful factions that I've experienced within the group. It's, it's, it's brilliantly supportive uh, and generous and kind, and it's, it makes my job much, much easier. But it's a, it's a, it's a gorgeous uh, ethic that, um, that I enter into. In, in terms of um, the, the staging, as you said, everyone's on stage for the entire time. Um, you also mentioned a bit about, um, before we start recording, about sound effects yeah. and how the actors are also involved <coughs> in, um, in creating those. So how, t- tell us a bit more about, about that. We've got one of the stars here. We? <laughs> we do, we do, we do. We've got um, a lot of the production of Henry the fifth that I've seen, the chorus talks very much about uh, we have to do this epic play and there's no way we can achieve it. The chorus constantly apologises to the audience and asks them to engage uh, their imaginations, to suppose certain things, to think when we talk of this that you see this. Lots of productions that I've seen, you don't necessarily have to. There's such gorgeous sets, beautifully mm. realised, that our imaginations, although always have to be engaged in the theatre, are sometimes less important, and I, I wanted to know what would happen if we really did have only chairs, tables, uh, a couple of step ladders, and this piano, uh, and we really had to. The contract with the audience is, is much more equal, where they have to bring half the play with them. Uh, so part of that uh, naturally led on to, well, if we've got a couple of microphones and we create atmosphere, create some of the scenes using sounds, what can the actors produce? So. Over Christmas, I asked, I gave them a list of uh, uh, noises I'd like them to experiment with at home and bring them in. And it turns out that uh, Rebecca, <laughs> playing Mistress Quickly, has, is possessed by various zoo animals and uh, elements. Do you know what I'm going to ask you now? You're going to ask can to do that. Can, can you do one? Or is that, is that putting you on the spot? Work, you don't have to. I don't know if it would work. We could do, we could do birds. We could do birds, yeah. Oh, we can always cut it out if it, if it doesn't okay. work. Okay. 
That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> just waking up then and you know getting out of bed. And <laughs> yeah, but it, it branches out and then we've got we've got yeah, storm we've got boats bits. and yeah, horses, boats, sea, horses. 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 The seagulls were cut. Armourers. Yeah, the seagulls were cut. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you use yeah. any sort of um, props to do the effects with, or is it just vocal yeah, on, we a, have on a mic? We have spoons. Yeah, we mm. use so. rubber use spoons. Mm. But again, most yeah. of it's stuff that we have already because yeah. because we can't, you know, you can't randomly bring in like a big thunderboard machine thing. Yeah. So you've got to just use what you've got, and a lot of that is mm. your own voice. Mm. Um, and then things that you can conceal in pockets and things. Because the studio theatre is quite small, isn't it? And mm. it's like it's very adaptable. Um, so how are you? How just explain a bit more about how you're sort of using the stage, um, in terms of I mean, there's going to be seating on either side, and then what's the set like? We're we're end on uh, in in the space. So the, the audience are on one side. The, the the space is cut in half. Audience on one side, actors on the other half. Uh, and uh, we have chairs that aren't being used in scenes around the side for people to go and sit in, but the actors never leave the space. They're always watching uh, uh, in that way. The, 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 it was originally kind of conceived for a theatre uh, because it's more of a, an, an active choice not to have scenery if you're in a theatre where you would expect scenery. So a studio space is a kind of more natural place for it because you're expecting something slimmed down uh, but yes, the, the studios are gorgeous, new, uh, brilliantly proportioned uh, uh, space. And we've, in fact, it's so lovely we've had to slightly rough it up a bit. <laughs> so it doesn't look too, you know, splendidly um, uh, panelled and shiny. Well, I'm sure I'll give it another fifteen years, and it'll yeah. look like that anyway. Um, okay, so um, I was going to ask Ben because you're you're one of the Henrys, aren't you? You're, yes. you're, you're one of the the leads, and the, yeah. the leads are being shared. So presumably you'll do it for a couple of a couple of nights, and someone else will do it for um, some other nights. Well, no, we we split. We're splitting the part during the performance, oh. um, which uh, means it's sort of it's interesting because it really cements this idea of the journey that Henry goes on from sort of a slightly inexperienced man in a court where he doesn't feel much trust into where he's really trying to prove to his men and to his kingdom that he can lead this country, especially after his sort of rebellious youth. Um, and then in the end, we've sort of, we've gone for the idea that he's slowly turning into his father, um, which is... As we all do. Well, quite exactly, exactly. A better version of already. Oh, yeah. sorry, already a better version of his father. <laughs> um, and it's also fascinating because we've got um, Kerry Lynn Sassoni, who is... Um, playing the first Henry, and to have that female touch in what can be seen as a very masculine um, figure is amazing, especially for the other two Henrys, Jordan Renzo and I, um, because it sort of allows us to see this softness in him, um, especially when dealing with sort of difficult situations such as betrayal and things like that. So it's it's been a very interesting experience, especially as if one actor is playing Henry, there is, in a way, a very cemented view of who this person is. Whereas when you've got three minds, you have this ability just to be able to blast it wide open, and anything can happen, and you can take or, you know, you can choose what you take from other people's performances and what you decide to go slightly differently, and it's, it's been fascinating. Um, 
I mean, I'm doing a little bit of research before the podcast, as you as you know. Um, I mean, this is a this is a play where the role of Henry has been played by some quite you know the, the best actors that have ever been. Um, so I mean, how do you how do you prepare yourself for that for that role? It's been played by Olivier and Burton and all the rest. Um, because you're only doing a third of the role, you just need to be as a third as good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be as good as that. <laughs> um, I, think, I think for me it's been trying to forget that as much as possible. Um, because, I mean, they are all such fantastic actors and they've all had their very particular way of doing Henry. And I think it is very easy to, to get into someone else's rhythm. And really to try and sort of step as far away from that as possible and do your own thing, do what comes naturally to you. Otherwise you're just seeing a, another Henry, whereas if you really try and make it yours, then it can be something completely different and exciting. Um, in terms of Henry, the, the production, I mean, for those that don't know much about what the story is, um, can somebody, you know, maybe just, just tell us the gist of it without giving too much away? <laughs> and is it set in the modern day, or is it set back when it was? Uh... It's uh, we've had. That's a very good question. We, <clears throat> the idea of the production is really that this that these thirteen actors who are at Guildhall, <laughs> these thirteen <laughs> actors who are at Guildhall, uh, come into a space and tell the story of Henry V uh, um, as we've rehearsed it. So, the, in in a way, they are always those thirteen actors. Uh, in that studio downstairs, um, uh, Milton Court Theatre. Um, so th- we've got we've got a, a costume which has a, a, a very specific uh, uh, palette to it, a kind of uh, uh, a grey, um, uh, rather beautiful textured uh, palette to it, mainly made up of, of very modern clothes. But because the play has requires things such as messengers. Uh, they talk about going into battle on horseback. We have these certain things. It requires um, a, a period in our heads which, which, which we can relate to for that. And so Tom Oldham and, and I went back to really took over references to World War I, which seems to be the most uh, recent that it's, it's not too alien to us. We, we, we still have a connection to that world. Um, but it's also uh, long enough ago where people did still go back, go to war on horseback, um, where uh, there was some hand-to-hand fighting. Uh, we, we haven't yet got into the, the, the mass uh, computer um, surveillance drone world of computer and mass communication. So that seemed like the, the perfect place for us. It, it's also, of course, the 100th anniversary of uh, the beginning of the First World War, which is a, a, so I'm thrilled that we're able to do this production in January on this particular date mm-hmm. to enter into it. Um, so we have we, it, it will appear modern it will it, it will hopefully be slightly timeless it will be that thing where it is its own time and its own place uh, for those two hours um, and the story of it is I, I've, I've, I've cut uh, a little bit at the beginning of the story from Henry the fourth parts one and two Prince Hal who becomes Henry the fifth uh, is this kid that hangs around in brothels and gets drunk and hangs, you know, is is friends with rather dubious, uh, a dubious crowd. Um, at the beginning of Henry V, Canterbury, played by Robbie, 
uh, talks about how this guy's given up his ways, become shinier, uh, uh, educated, can play music, is a warrior, because speaks Latin, does all these great things. And I've, I wanted to, I wanted to remove the that part of the play so that we still have this young kid from the brothels, from that that place in the Henry the Four plays, um, in the Henry the Fourth plays. Um, sorry, let me start that again. So I've, I've just said the word foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to remove Canterbury's speech about Henry changing, so that we have a younger, more out of his depth prince, and now king, uh, take a larger journey. How is this boy going to uh, go to France? How is he going to lead his country into conquering France and, and winning the throne of France? And if you, in, if you keep the Canterbury speech, it's much more of a flat line. I wanted to see what happens if you've got someone uh, really um, uh, in trouble uh, uh, grafting their way to the, to the top of this mountain. Um, and the story is, is simply that it's, it's a coming of age story of this of this man proving himself worthy uh, to be the king of England, uh, going to war with France where there is some potential right to uh, the king uh, of England also being the king of France, uh, going to Agincourt and against all odds, um, winning the battle. Um, so to the student performers that we have here, what, what's, the, what's been the most exciting thing for you guys about, about this production? Uh, well, for me, uh, at, at Guildhall we do something called the Magic Space, which allows us to really delve into the use of our imagination to tell stories with a very limited amount uh, of things, where we just use a prop and we have to change. It will be a, a sort of normal object, like a shoe, and we'll have to change it into, I don't know, a spaceship or something like that to tell a story and um, so this this production has really sort of in a way encompassed everything that we've done we did in that sort of project because it allowed us to use a very sort of scarce amount of materials mm -hmm. and sort of put our imagination into it and therefore sort of allow the audience to see different things whereas it's normally a chair we can make it into a boat or something like that so in that respect, for me, that's been the most interesting thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the theatrical equivalent of, of acting with, like, I suppose, I've never done it, but what, what a green screen would be like, where, you know, if you're on a set of Lord of the Rings, you'd have very limited things, but everything would be drawn up behind, and you wouldn't necessarily see it as the actor. And in that way, uh, we, as, as we said at the start, and as the chorus does in the play, invites the audience to imagine everything else. And instead of giving them vivid, vivid kind of images and, and, and that kind of thing that we just it's up to them to fill it and I think that I think that it's suggestive enough that they will and they'll all see their own version of something and there's times during the rehearsals where things that just just kind of they're, they're pretty magic I mean like there's certain moments and where they come out of of uh, different places so you'll just have ended a scene where you feel like you're you know you're in a trench or something then then quickly you're in somewhere entirely different and it's uh, and it's very simple and it's just using basic kind of geometry really but it just encourages the, the, the mind to just see what it will and rather than being imposing it's kind of a liberating thing it's nice it's, it's, it's fun to play in I think it's also 
for me, the opportunity to play characters that in the outside world you wouldn't normally get to play. Um, like, I, my, my female role is Mistress Quickly, but then I also play Westmoreland, which is normally a 50-year-old man, or um, Williams and Burgundy, also male roles. But it's really great to be given the opportunity to do whatever you want with those roles because there's no way I'm going to be able to play a 50-year-old man. So how do, how do you play a 50-year-old man? Well, you just have to come at it in a whole new way and be like, okay, so it isn't a 50-year-old man. It's actually someone who looks like me. And then and then have to work from that. So it's actually interesting because you can't go on anyone's previous performances. You've got to create something completely your own. Mm. Um, even though we are... Tanya and I are playing boys, both of us at some point in the play. Um, but it's it's nice, it's thrilling. And um, Tanya, how do, how do you find that that sort of uh, having to play the opposite sex? How do you uh, um, how do you do that? <clears throat> uh, yeah, fine. I think it's um, not an easier job, but I guess I can relate to it more because boys a lot younger, and therefore sort of I don't feel the weight of a like learned man, and I can just play more of a child. Um, or kind of just someone who's a bit more naive or shouldn't be where they are and it's not their fault and they can't do much to get out of it because they're not an adult. It's kind of quite, instead of playing a boy, it's more um, the situation, I shouldn't be there, um, I've got no power to get out, or um, I've got decisions to make um, and I've got to figure out which decision to do and I don't actually have much history behind me to inform that. So I'm just sort of naive, but also not agreeing with things that the adults do. So it's more, yeah, it's it's less sort of boy and more um, youth, I guess. I was very keen, really, for the rather than to try and tackle uh, any old acting or we start getting into talc in the hair uh, to, to make everyone look <laughs> white, and, you know, that, that, that this production wouldn't really support anyway. That if you simply, it's amazing, if you simply, simply by virtue of another character calling somebody a name and that person then... Uh, playing the text that they have given, that Shakespeare's written, with the intentions that Shakespeare is steering them towards, we get a new character. The, mm. the, the, it's that great thing that is so specific to theatre that you can't do in film, you can't do in television, where if I simply say that you are this object or you are this person, the audience will go with it. And, and, and the transformation happens effortlessly, easily, because we all know how to do it. We all, from early age, know how to imagine and suppose... Uh, and and that's what theatre's great at. And it's the same with the male-female thing. Um, you know, an old person doesn't go around thinking, I'm an old person, <laughs> and a yeah. man doesn't go around thinking, I'm a man. Mm -hmm. They play what, you know, what they're aiming for and what they are trying to achieve out of life. And so if you just play that those exact same goals, then you are the character, whether I'm a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. I am that character. Absolutely. Well, I think... Um, we probably might have to wrap it up there because it's uh, yes, it's probably one of our longest podcasts ever at the Guildhall School. There's <laughs> so much exciting stuff for us to talk about, and it's been absolutely great to have you all here today. Um, so I just want to say thank you very much to you all, to Tanya, to Ben, to Martin, to Becca, and also to Robbie. So thank you for coming in, and uh, yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you in the Studio Theatre at Milton Court. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers.